broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas. It's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show, the show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for May 2019. My name is Jonathan Leung, and I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, fresh out of the movie theater of seeing Avengers Endgame, yeah. <laughs> is Tim Peterson, Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself. Tim, how are you doing? Good. Good. How's the movie? It was great. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> okay. It was great. It was great. You literally, like... Got out of the movie theater, drove over Drove here. straight from the movie theater parking lot. So, so you huh? probably have it fresher in your mind than I do, because I saw it like a week ago almost. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you still think it's good, or you thought it was good. Oh, yeah, I thought it was really good. And uh, it was long, but it didn't seem that long. But uh, you told me, use the restroom before you go in. So I held it all the way through the movie, which is a miracle at my age. <laughs> and uh, no, it was, was really good. And uh, I think that uh, anybody that hasn't seen it yet definitely needs to go watch it. Well, maybe Tim will talk about that more in the after show, because that All seems right. to be more of an after show topic. Sounds but, good. how are you doing otherwise? How are things at Mr. Gaddy's, Tim? That's what we want to know. Great. Uh, you know, last time I talked about how we kind of settled into our normal flow, and now we're getting more of the school groups. I spoke to uh, 50 principals today and uh, passed out information and got a lot of good feedback and some bookings. From that, so uh, looking forward to doing more with the community, and uh, we got a couple ideas coming down the pipe that I think are going to be really good, and we'll we can discuss more of that in the after show too. Right, and you actually posed several questions to the audience in our previous after show. So for those of you guys who don't watch the after show or listen to this via podcast, you may not have heard that. But at the end of this show, in the after show section, we're going to discuss some of the feedback that you got, Tim, on some of the ideas that you threw out there. Right. So we do want to tease that for the after show. So make sure you stay tuned to that, or if you're listening to this via audio podcast, that you tune into our YouTube page and watch that part. But we do want to thank everybody for being here tonight and joining us as we answer some of your questions that we've received via our website, YouTube, and Facebook pages, as well as other places. And so we do want to thank you guys all for being here. And we want to make shout out to everybody who's already said hi in the chat. We got Delusional Arcade here, Tim, and we're going to be covering something from him later in the show as okay. well. We got Mike here, says hi. Hello, Mike. And we also have Jason says hi, everyone. Well, hello, Jason. So thank you guys so much for joining us in the live chat. And remember that you can interact with the, with the show by posting your questions, your comments, or your suggestions in the live chat. And you can also leave us money there, Tim. Sometimes we don't always point that out. Right. <laughs> we do appreciate any donations we get there as well. And we're certainly glad that you guys are here with us for this May 2019 edition. Tim, is there anything else that we should say before we move on to our questions this month? No, let's get right into it this month. I Sounds think we're good. good. Okay. So, let me go ahead and pull this up here. Our first question here, Tim, is from Randy. And Randy says, I have recently acquired a Galaxy Games by CES Cocktail Arcade. This is my first time owning an arcade of any kind, so it's pretty exciting. I think we have a little typo there, Tim. Okay. That's fine. The game was playing blind, and I was able to find a local repairman to fix the issue. The problem is he is having trouble removing the monitor from the cabinet for repair. I am going to go by on Wednesday to see if I can give him a hand. If you have any knowledge of these machines, I would appreciate a point in the right direction. Thank you for your help. Okay, so here we go, Tim. We have Randy here. Now, Tim, Randy brings up a game that I don't think I'm very familiar with. Maybe you're more familiar than I am. The Galaxy Games CES Multigame Cocktail. Have, have you heard of these? Have you seen them? I have, it's like a distant memory. I remember because it's like a cartridge-based type system and stuff. But right. we've never worked on one. Sure. We should disclaim that right at the front. <laughs> 
But I think you were fortunate enough to find a little bit of information on the net about it that we probably can help him walk through that a little bit. Well, Tim, you were right in your assessment there. So basically, the Galaxy Games Cocktail was a multi-game arcade system that uses cartridges not unsimilar to Neo Geo, except for the fact that you could stack the cartridges. So there were four cartridge slots, and you could put a cartridge in each slot, and what it would do instead of like having switchable games is it would just add those games to your main menu. Okay. Does that make sense? So it kind of loaded them for you. Exactly. So it kind of loaded them all up. And so you had like one main menu and there were boards loaded or games loaded on the main board. But then you could buy these extra cartridges that you could stick in these cartridge slots that would add additional games to the board. And a lot of these were, um, they're cocktail based, but they were kind of uh, more like what you'd see with Mega Touches or something like that. Those kind of games. And and thinking back to the ones I remember seeing at auction sometimes, seems like they were a cocktail style cabinet, not not a stand up. Right, and it seems like... So maybe they were sold like that, I'm not quite sure. According to everything I could find, as far as the CES Games website, the archive of it anyway, it was all cocktails for the most part when it came to these units. What a cool idea. Right, exactly, it really was, and... We don't see them much. It seems like they were pretty rare. So I did. I was able to find some information thanks to the Internet Archive. And so I will throw this up here for Randy. We'll go ahead and do this. Unfortunately, we are not very familiar with the Galaxy Games cocktail unit from CES, but we were able to find a manual for it that briefly discusses how to open the cabinet for service and cartridge installation purposes. And Tim, I, I referenced page 14, and we have a link there. And Tim, that link is also down in the show description and show notes below. Uh, the Galaxy Games Cocktail Unit is a cartridge-based multi-game system designed for two players head-to-head competition. There were four game cartridges created for the system, and they were each named like Star Pack 1, 2, 3, and 4. Nice. So, and each main board had four slots, one for each cartridge. And Tim, I actually posted a picture of the page 14 that we that we uh, showed in the manual. It looks, Tim, like that monitor is built on a hinge. Yeah, it's very similar to how other cocktails work, though, sure. by the picture. Right. And that is that one side would have a piano-type hinge that after unlatching it, it would come over on its side. And we have shot a video on that, so... If opening you, a cocktail yeah, cabinet. Yeah, open a cocktail cabinet. So that probably would help with this situation also. There you go. So Randy, hopefully answers your question. Definitely check out the manual there, and the link is below in the show notes if you need help finding it. And like Tim mentioned, we have a great video on opening a cocktail cabinet that you should definitely check out that does discuss how sometimes those hinges work on cocktail cabinets and in this particular instance tim it looks like that information will be quite helpful right as long as it's some kind of manufactured game most of them operate pretty much the same the problem we've had is the homebrew cocktail cabinets are come you know we've had some that take the whole top off a lot of different methods but that seems to be pretty standard with most cocktail cabinets uh, and I'm sure there's some uh, there's some differences. Like I think of a red tent, how you open it up was really different. But most of it, you're just going to have to get in there. There's something latched or holding it or or he- holding it down. Once you undo that, it should come on open, and that's what you got to find in there. Sounds good. So Randy, hopefully that answers your question, and good luck getting that Galaxy Games cocktail table opened up. I would love to see some pictures of that, Randy, that if you would send those in, just because of the rarity of it, I do think it is a pretty rare game. Absolutely. And Tim, it looked like all of the cabinet pictures that I saw had a very marble-like look to them. Mm-hmm. So, like, the cabinets were not, like, the wood grain look like you get, but it had almost, like, a marble type of laminate or something on yeah. them, I guess. I barely can remember that. And I remember it being a cartridge base, but that was, you know, that information, Jonathan, was really neat. So, if you have one, shout out. That'd be really cool to see some pictures or video of. Sounds good. Well, Tim, I think that does it for Randy's question, but it looks like we have a couple of more shout-outs in the live chat, so I'm going to go over here real quick. 
Uh, JR's Vintage Toys and More. Hey guys, hope you're doing great. I'm excited. I'm making my biggest game purchase ever. 46 arcades, 7 pins, which wow. include a fun house and a ton of parts. It sounds like JR's got a, a operator buyout here. I think so, sounds like it. Yeah, so Fun House is a great pinball machine for you guys that don't know. Pat Lawler designed, right? So uh, Fun House is a really great one. You got Rudy there, the little uh, talking head at you all the time right. and everything. So uh, uh, that's a good one to have. And it says... Uh, he says a ton of parts. I don't know what all the parts are, but cool we'd be deal. curious to, to know. Uh, let's see. Jose says, sup, guys. Hey, Jose. There you go. And, and then, uh, or or Josev. It has a okay. V on the end. See, my eyesight's not that good, Tim. These things are tiny. <laughs> and Emmanuel says, howdy from Texas. Well, howdy Hello. back from Texas. Of course, we are located in the great state of Texas, Tim. That's right. So a lot of great stuff going on here. But uh, we want to thank, again, all of you guys for joining us again. And, Tim, we're going to get to some other topics in the live chat. I think uh, for those of you who are in the um, after show, excuse me, I think for those of you guys who didn't join us earlier, we got a couple of topics that we're going to be talking about there. So I hope you guys join us for the after show as well. But we want to thank you guys for joining us for the main show and being here. And Remember that you guys can leave questions, suggestions in the live chat. Tim, I always like to throw that out there For sure. because sometimes I think people forget that this is an interactive show, right? Right. We do have pre-prepared questions that we've gotten from our emails and things, but we always like to do things on the fly and help you guys out any way we can. So please, if we can, please leave us a message in the live chat. We'll try to get around to you as soon as possible. Uh, Tim, looks like we've got a couple more uh, in here, let's see. YouTube Punk says, I made it, but not for long. Well, thanks for making it for just a minute. Uh, if you can only stay around for a minute, that's a, that's a minute that we appreciate, right? That's or whatever right. it is. So, um, thanks for being here, YouTube Punk. Let's see. JR says, now I found the games. Time to fix the games. That's yeah. right. So, uh, maybe finding the games should be part of our, our, uh, our slogan as well. We haven't been on a warehouse raid like that in a long time, though. That sounds, uh, take some pictures. That'd be really fun to document. Also. Absolutely. Yeah. So Randy says, I finally made it. And I don't know if this is the same Randy. We just covered a question, uh, Randy. I don't know if that was yours or not. But uh, if it was, then uh, you rewind it just a bit and you'll see the answer. <laughs> uh, so Yeah, exactly. So hopefully we covered that well. Um, let's see. YouTube Punk Howdy. Howdy. Sup, Dell? So we're saying a lot of howdies, guys. A lot of great uh, information and chatting in the live chat. So make sure you guys uh, leave lots of messages there. And we'll try to get to them as the show progresses on. Okay, Tim, I think we're ready to move on, yes? Yes. So let us move to John, and John says, Hey, how's it going? I just picked up a golden tea cabinet and was wondering if you could help me troubleshoot it and what to look for. The monitor works, it just doesn't play the game. A few ribbons are unplugged from the board. That's what I see so far. So, Tim, John's got a, a golden tea cabinet. Right. And he's saying that the monitor works. So, I mean, we don't know that for sure if the board's right. not working probably. But what he it's means powered, is... got power. got coming, coming on, on whatever the case may be. But he's saying that it's not playing the game and there are a few ribbons that are unplugged from the board. So, what do you think John needs to do in order to get his golden tea back up and running? Well, he needs to decide what version of that's trying to run. Sure. And what is his board and stuff. Right. And that's part of the problem, especially with games that have been around a while... And went through several stages like Golden Tee, the Golden Tee version today. It's way different from the 99, 98, 97 that we you started working on. Sure. Uh, they were JAMA and stuff, and now they're not. And you may or may not need those cables. So you really need to determine uh, if it what you need them. If they're possibly maybe missing the PC. Right. And so there may be some, some things there. That's some things. What happens, though, is all these conversions... Some needed parts, some didn't need this. We need to figure out what yours is trying to run. And the great news about that, though, is in the people who invented the game are still around. That's right. And they're very helpful. 
And so, if you can determine, even if you don't know, you can send them a picture and they'll at least tell you what version you have and if those ribbon cables are even needed or necessary, a lot better than we can. But that's what we're going to recommend, that you get in touch with them directly. Yeah. And they can help you with that. Incredible technologies, right? Yes, incredible technologies, and they are very friendly and very helpful. Yeah, and you've had to call them about other games, right? Oh, yeah. They they make a lot of different games today, not just Golden Tee, but that is one game in particular that's a big seller for them. So... Not sure if yours... Now, it could just be that, you know, we always start at power, guys. Uh, you, you're going to check your power supply, make sure you're running the right voltage, make sure you're getting power up there. You need to do all that stuff, too, because it could be something that simple. Or sure. a connection going from the board to your monitor. Your monitor can't work or work properly unless it's getting the signal from the board, so you need to make sure that those connections are good. But I think the fact, like you mentioned, Tim, that he's missing or he's got some unplugged ribbon cables. I mean, we're we're kind of assuming that that may play a part. In Maybe why he's that so, the sounds like something is missing. Right. And um, and I've I've seen them uh, with a lot of different setups and stuff. A lot of them will have some some of them have hard drives and yeah. stuff. And so if you don't have a hard drive and you got a ribbon cable, guess what? It hooks up to a lot of hard drives, right? That's right exactly. I mean, I'm not rocket science, but I know that much, right? There you go. <laughs> and so you could just be missing certain parts. So. The main thing is to figure out what year you have. Then we can get a manual, and most manuals have pictures, or you can call Incredible Technologies, and then they will walk you through or tell you, oh, you're missing this, or you're missing that, and they may even have the part for you. Or by then, we you can contact us back, and maybe we can help you track down exactly what you need. Sounds good. So, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and throw the slide up here real quick. So, in order to help you troubleshoot this further, like Tim mentioned, we're going to need to know which version of Golden Tee you're currently working on. While many older versions of Golden Tee use the JAMA standard for their wiring, Tim, you mentioned 98, 99, 97, a lot of those right. JAMA wiring. Um, most of the newer versions are PC-based and use a PC with an I.O. board right. that interfaces to the controls. And, Tim, what I did here was I actually did a picture. This is from the Golden Tee manual of the I.O. board. And okay. you'll see that it's got a lot of, like, ribbon-like cables I mean, if you don't know how to describe it. Yeah, I'm worried that the computer is actually missing. And it could be. It could be actually unplugged, and that's another Mm -hmm. thing, too. But it's very possible. I mean, what he needs to figure out is, like, okay, these ribbon cables, where are they going, and what should they hook up to? And like Tim mentioned, finding out which version of Golden T you have will allow you to get the manual for that. And once you have the manual, you can kind of figure out where the wiring is supposed to go. And, Tim, just like you mentioned, that incredible technology is still in business, still does really great work on the support side, so if you need support, you can contact them. But, Tim, another thing that they have is an entire manual repository on their website that has basically all of the manuals for pretty much any Golden Tee version you're looking right. for. Right. Maybe you can even figure it out from there. Exactly. This is a, One thing we want to stress, John, if you want to go back to a live shot, is that this is a classic example of he said he purchased this. Right. And so be really careful if you purchase a game that's not working. Treat it as such. I hope you got a really good deal on it. Uh, because, you know, my story is one time I bought an Arctic Thunder because it wouldn't come on, and I'm thinking, wow, it's probably a fuse, maybe a power supply. I can fix this, and when I got in there, there was no uh, monitor chassis. There was no computer. There was no hour board. There was no wiring. Right. There was a tube. And and tube wires. And tube wires. And we made a really good... um, Yoke wires. Yeah, we made a really good skateboard kind of out of the seat and mm-hmm. used it rolling stuff, move stuff around the shop, but that's all it ever was good a for. A $200 rolling it seat. It would have cost a <laughs> lot more to fix it than it was worth it. So be real careful with that, guys. I just want to stress, anytime the game, you say, oh, well, it's probably this, it's probably that. Don't guess. If it's not working, treat it as exactly what it is. 
not working. Don't let somebody tell you, oh, it's probably just a fuse. If it was an easy fix, granted, they would have already fixed it and sold it for more money. Uh, make sure that when you are looking at a game that you are getting the best deal based on what you are seeing at that time. Exactly. And always look in the bag, Tim. And once you buy the game, make sure that all of the different parts are screwed down. Like monitor right. chassis mm-hmm. and boards and stuff. Uh, power supplies. Because sometimes uh, people don't tend to secure those things very well. I don't know why. But um, transporting games is very important too. But like Tim mentioned, any non-working game, you got to treat it. Like it's not working. Basically assume right. that it is empty, an empty cabinet. Just like when you go to buy a used car. If it won't start, they may tell you, oh, it's just a battery. Or they'll always give you some speed. Oh, we put a battery in, it'll be fine. Granted that most of the time, if it was just a battery, they would already put one in and it'd right. be running. So might be, need an engine rebuild. Right. Might need a new transmission. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, steering wheel, some major components they're exactly. probably missing. <laughs> so be real careful with that, guys. Just a tip that I'm going to throw in there right now because of the fact I've been burned. And, uh, you know, I did see that he purchased it. We're hoping that it's not missing a computer or something major. It's, those things are getting hard to find. And when you can't find them, they're not always cheap. Sometimes cheaper to buy a working game than it is to buy parts for a working game. Absolutely. So I think it's a good warning for everybody, Tim, and for John here who's in this situation. Hopefully he's got all the parts there and he can figure out what's missing or where what needs to hook to. And the best way to do that is by, again, trying to determine which version of Golden 2 you have and then going to uh, Incredible Technologies' website, look at their manuals, Tim, matching up the manual with your game and hopefully being able to find exactly what you're looking for. Well, Tim, I have that link below in the show notes for the um, Incredible okay. Technologies manual, so make sure you check that out if you haven't already. And, John, thank you for your question, and good luck getting that golden tee up and running. Okay, Tim, we got some uh, activity. YouTube Punks sent 10 bucks. May wow. the force be with you. Thank what you. are your go-to shops for cat kits, flybacks, and monitor chassis? Easy, easy, easy. <laughs> but you so, know, um, go to shop for cap kit. Tim. It's definitely changed over the years. I, I still most of them are on our links page, yeah. but I still like. Um, uh, help me here, John, for, for a second. We like Paradise Arcade. We like. Um, um, I was going to say Syracuse Semiconductor is good. I mean, Twisted Quarter has Twisted cap Quarter. Kits. Is, yeah, I was about to say is, if you're looking was for the that one, I was trying to think of all. Yeah, Syracuse Semiconductor though, has Cajun a lot of good Arcade. We like absolutely. A lot. Um, you know, it's changed up over the years because we bought so many. We bought hundreds from Bob Roberts right. in the past, and when him not with him not selling them, and about the time when we quit really fixing them, right. um, we haven't bought any. You know, and I used to buy a lot from Zenon Electronics, Zenin. and um, yeah, you know, I don't. There was just a, and I've we've even made our own cap kits at Fry's and stuff. But probably, uh, having said all that, the fact that we don't buy them much anymore, we still have, we have tons of uh, caps and stuff in storage, um, would mean that there's probably some new places out there. So, you know, Mm -hmm. search around. I'm sure anybody on our Facebook page or um, one of the arcade monitor Repair pages would right. be glad. To I, I like you. Syracuse Semiconductor a lot. I will say that um, that's a good one to go to. They they sell uh, pretty much everything. They sell a variety of flybacks as well and some other parts. And as I well believe, if account. I remember, they're the ones that sell some of the caps that that don't come correct. in everybody else's kits. Yes, correct. Like they the filter caps and stuff. It's more of a complete cap kit, so it may cost a little bit more. But in the end result, you know, there back in the day there were tons of p- people that sold cap kits that didn't really include all the caps. Right. And it seems like some of the ones that were important uh, later on, you know. 
Right, exactly. Ian Kellogg, I'm going to throw a big shout-out to him because I do like his cap kits as well. I, You know, he's been kind of up and down with his store and everything like mm-hmm. that. But um, I think it's back up now, I hope. But he has some really cool cap kits. And, Tim, he usually puts them, like, in a little... Uh, a little, uh, he kind of puts them down and then tapes them across and labels where each one goes. It's pretty wow. cool. So it's a very nice okay. cap kit. But Ian Kellogg, I'm definitely going to throw a, uh, a, a shout out to. Zanin, like you mentioned, Tim. And then also, of course, um, Twisted Quarter, which we order a lot of stuff from. And then Syracuse Semiconductor as well. Right. Uh, and Syracuse Semiconductor has a lot, like you can buy it with the filter caps, without the filter caps. You can get, he has a, a lot of selection of things you need. And a lot of these places will also sell the flybacks, Tim. Right. We, we highly recommend going ahead and getting the full cap kit if possible because it seems like uh, what's Murphy's Law. You know, the one cap you don't buy is the one that's going to go bad first. Right. And so we like to compl- do a complete rebuild when we get a chance. So, and as far as flybacks go, I would also throw out Chad at Arcade Cup. Sure. Because, I mean, even though he does monitor repair, he sells a lot of replacement flybacks as well on his right. website. So if you're looking for flybacks, uh, ArcadeCup.com as well will get you there. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, Tundra Guy says, I just put a Raspberry Pi in an arcade one up and love it. I know it's not the same as a real arcade, but with someone whose basement has gotten taken over by the wife, I am space restricted. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the arcade one ups, we've talked about this before, are a great alternative for people who don't have the space for like a full cabinet and they play right. pretty decent. There's you know? something coming up about that later in the show that yeah. he might want to stay in touch with. Now, it sounds like he did the Raspberry Pi mod, but Tim, there right. are some other mods out there, obviously, that we'll talk about here in just a bit. Um, let's see. <laughs> Michael, am I banned? Did I offer, uh, did I offer my question above? I don't know if I saw a question above from you, Michael. I don't know. I, we didn't ban you. No. <laughs> the only reason Ask we'll, again, Michael. Well, only, the only reason we'll ban you is if there's spam. Now, if you put links, um, in the, in the thing, if you put a link in the live chat, I think automatically it will... It will, um, it'll block uh, maybe it. Maybe so. Okay, so if you do put a link in there, uh, so leave the link off, but ask your question, and we can get around to it. Let's see. Oh yeah. Um. Let's see. Tender guy. Um. He says, uh, not a lot of light marquees are coming out for the one ups. That makes them look a lot better. You know, some of the lighted marquee kits I've seen for the arcade one ups are not very good. Right. Like the artwork reproduction is uh, so so. Okay. Now, with that said. The Golden Tee Arcade 1-Up is gonna comes with a lighted marquee. I don't know if you oh, knew that. did not know comes that, comes with yeah. a light marquee and also comes with the riser. Right. So, But um, some of the kits I've seen are kind of hit or miss. I need royalties for this. There you go. I'm telling you. <laughs> they did let you come to their place. And they did, they did take some of my suggestions. That's so exactly hopefully. right. So there you go. Oh, and the YouTube punk says, Ian Kellogg is back online from his house. Fire. Got it. So, yeah. Um, chat at Arcade Cup. Chad at ArcadeCup.com. And we usually recommend Chad for monitor repair, Tim. Yes, but a good source for parts. Good source for parts as well. He has quite a few flybacks on his website if you guys are looking for a replacement flybacks. So ArcadeCupCUP.com. Okay, Tim, are we caught up? I think so. Okay. Joe Sasbo does amazing artwork for Arcade 1-Ups. Have you seen that, Tim? No. That's from Delusional's Arcade. So uh, Joe Sasbo has an artwork website. I know Joe's work. Yeah, exactly. He does Arcade 1-Up artwork and is fantastic. Oh, cool. He's got some for Mortal Kombat 11 and some other new games. And you can, NBA Jam, you can basically skin your Arcade 1-Up to be a different game if you'd like. So let's see. Oh, yeah, here we go. We're going to show this for them. There we go. Okay, cool. Okay, Tim, I think we're caught up to the live chat now. We'll so be right back, guys. That's right. Mm-hmm. We're going to go ahead and move on to our next question on the outline, and that's from Euphoric. Euphoric says, I want to upgrade my old Sigma arcade cabinet to a 16-in-1. 
everything works great on it, but I have no idea what I am in for. The, the game is Spiders from 1981. What do I need for this project? Now, Tim, before we get too far into this, how familiar are you with the game Spiders? <laughs> wow, that is a pretty rare game, and everybody's screaming right now, leave it alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's probably my first response is... Uh, build a kit or something make your 60 and one leave that spider game alone the holland computers kit that we talk about somebody would really like that (laughs) right but having being fair that's not that's his priority he's the one that owns the game um i do know that i i I don't know that i've ever played spiders maybe once at maybe at a convention or something i have it seems like i've seen it and i know you're going to show a picture of it for everybody that doesn't not aware with it but it, it has like a two-way joystick. It was kind of like a... Or did it even have a joystick? It was buttons? It depends. Like, kind of so like Galaxian or, or something. Or Galaga. Yeah. So it depends on the version. Um, apparently, there's one version that has two buttons, like what you would have with like Asteroids. Right. And then there's one that has a left and right joystick, two-way joystick, like what you would have with a Galaga. Right. That's kind of so what I was thinking. So there's two different versions. You, it depends on which version you played. But either one is only two directions, right? Right. So you're going to definitely have to upgrade to a four-way joystick and probably add some buttons and... All that kind of good stuff, but please don't. <laughs> I, I <laughs> just, the really, good generic uh, candy, let's right? go ahead and bring up the picture, John. Okay. This is such a cool game. I don't remember gameplay. I don't haven't played it in Mame in a while or enough to know what it's like. Somebody that has maybe want to chime in over there. But you know, it, it's a very cool game, and it, it kind of has that um, century feel to it, right? And. uh you know, I can't remember who even made Spiders, but... He said, I think it was Sigma. Sigma? See, yeah. it's a very pretty rare game. So, oh no, he does, old Sigma arcade cabinet. Yeah, so, there you go. so it's a Sigma game, which is, like I said, you don't see a ton of them in general. Right. But you're going to have to put a four-way joystick in there if you're going to have to do that, which we're going to call... And uh, if there was a way to do it... And not drill or something. I would I would probably go into more detail. But the fact you're going to have to drill into that uh, beloved game of somebody's, I would probably really highly recommend that you don't. Okay, I'm going to read the slide since it's up here, Tim. So the game Spiders only uses two directions for gameplay, which we talked about, Tim. Which means that you'll need to install a four-way joystick for a 61 board. If your camera has the two-way joystick, you could drill out the opening a bit, use a four-way in its place. If not, you could always install it in the center of your panel. So, Tim, if he has this spider set up, for instance, he could just install a four-way joystick in the direct center. We also recommend having at least two action buttons so that you can play all of the games on the 61 properly. You will need to rewire the cabinet using a JAMA harness. But the good news is that the power supply that's in it should work. It actually does. I looked at the pinouts for Spider's Tim. Plus 5, plus 12 are on that power supply. So technically he could use the power supply if he didn't want to. I should have mentioned that it's probably not JAMA because it's 1981. So it's a lot of wiring. It's really going to be a lot of work too to convert that over. And I doubt anybody sells a conversion thing for it because it's such a rare type game Right. that it would really be best to use another game and let somebody that really wants to collect Sigma games or just wants a, a more rare game would probably pay enough for that to for you to buy a kit and to build your own. And then you wouldn't have to destroy the game. There you go. So you for a couple answers to your question. So yes, it's definitely possible to use a 61-year Spider's Cabinet. But like Tim mentioned, it's such a rare game. Why not find somebody, sell it to a collector, somebody who really would get appreciation out of it, and find like a generic cabinet 
Or, Tim, he could even do a, instead of a generic cabinet, maybe he could do, uh, like, the Holland Computers cabinet that we talked exactly. about. Build one from scratch, and then you'll have a nice 16-in-1, and you won't have torn up a nice rare game that some collector is yelling about right now as we, right. <laughs> as we actually no, discuss this. No, I love this. spiders. Give me that. That's right, exactly. So, but anyway. You, you remember playing spiders? I uh, can't you know, even remember. You know, it seems like, you know, Tim, I feel like I played everything at some point, but right. I don't specifically remember spiders i don't specifically remember it i guess so if i did play it it was a rasher game right but it had, if i did play it it wasn't memorable right i guess that's what it comes down to maybe so so, so maybe it's worth doing I don't anybody know, in the chat want to chime in i'd like to hear your opinion of if you've ever played it there you go so sounds good hopefully answers your question you fork and uh, good luck with your conversion or good luck with selling it if you decide to go with a new cabinet for your 60 and one Okay, Tim. Uh, Jason just sent us 10 bucks, and he oh. says it's never just a fuse, and he's right. <laughs> um, you, take that back. We had a rampage. Just a fuse. <laughs> so it happens It happens one out of every 20 times you may get one. Right. Something causes a fuse to blow. Exactly. Most something, of the time. Something causes fuse to blow, but we do want to appreciate you sending us to $10. Thank you for the donation. We always appreciate those. Um, let's see. Coast to Soul Music says, any claw machine tips? Well, claw machines are... Or basically all the same. That's a, the deal with them. Even the new ones, they work by a white. The best best tip I can give on a claw machine is make sure it's wound correctly. And if you're looking, let's say you're going to have two wheels, one here and one here, and the string is going to be wrapped around. Make sure it's coming off the right side of that wheel. If it's on the left, that claw machine is going to give you a lot of problems. It needs to come out the right and go wrap around. That's my biggest tip. Other than that, just some adjustments and things. Uh, they do sell universal uh, boards now that work universal with, crane heads and with, everything. Else. Yeah, which make that so cool. So if you found, let's say, an old clean sweep or something that you just want the retro look, but you want it to play like new, you could always go that route. And I think that's super because you can't always get all the parts and stuff for some of the really older ones. But they work really simple, and they're they're great money makers. We have several at work, and we love them. They just they really don't give much problems, uh, especially the newer styles. Some of the bugs and stuff have gotten worked out, but the older ones, what happens is, John, they hit the ground. If you'll shorten yours where it can't actually hit the ground and lay on its side, when or to keep your plush or whatever you're trying to get in there enough to where it doesn't go down that far. When it hits the ground, it would come unwound, and that would cause a lot of problems. So keep your plush full uh, or keep it the string tight enough to where it can't actually go down and lay on the side. There Sounds you go. good. Good tips. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if you meant playing or repair tips, but I like, you know we're a repair show, so repair tips is what right? we give. That's right. <clears throat> playing, you get a magnet, and you put it on the side. <laughs> so, uh, that's another show. There Sorry. you go. Uh, Matthew says, uh, hi from New Hampshire. Hello. How do y'all tell if the CRT tube is shot or needs rejuvenation versus the chassis needing repair? So most of the time, the symptom of like a faded type chassis or faded colors could be either a cap kit or a tube. We usually do the cap kit first, and when it doesn't work, we don't get a lot of difference. Or we can tell that the chassis has been rebuilt. Then we're like, we start, usually it's so, you know, nine times out of ten, it's in the, it's in the cap kit, so that one out of ten. Uh, we did shoot a video on testing a tube. We did. And that does help, especially if it's got certain colors that are out. Right. That will show you. So watch that video on testing a monitor tube, which you can do with any monitor pretty much. And it's just real simple how we do it. 
and uh, we show how to do that and just go around and the colors will show whether you got a game board anything plugged in it. Right. Just needs to be on. Exactly. And a uh, little little bit of it, it's not too dangerous and it's kind of fun to do if you've never done it watch that video and and tell us what you think. Yeah, so checking a monitor tube obviously will help out with that. Uh, Tim, a lot of people may mistake like a bad tube for a bad like a color missing, which happens a lot. Mm. Uh, so that like when you check the tube, what it'll do is it kind of bypasses some of those transistors on the monitor chassis. So like let's say you're not getting red, for instance, when you check the tube, you may st- you may get red, you may not. But if you're getting red, that means the tube is good, but there's something in your chassis that's not working. Right. See what I'm saying? So like let's say your picture doesn't have red. But when you do the check, you get the red. Obviously, it's something in the chassis that's having a problem. So there are some checks like that you can do. But a lot of times, the faded the faded colors and things, Tim, washed out colors. um, After a cap kit, if you still have that, a lot of times that's where we'll start looking at rejuvenation. And most times when the tubes go bad, they're they're pretty common. Like with one that's really got a lot of screen burn. There's you can tell it's got some age to it. It's usually you know, you can tell by looking at the, the outside of the tube, too, a lot of times. If it's starting to really burn in and have some plays on it, then it could be a bad tube. Now, it's easy to start there, though, before you buy a cap kit, and it's real simple to check. There you go. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Uh, Michael says, let's try again. I've got a Sanyo EZ, no noise issues, rebuilt audio. Now, Evan did cap kit on the chassis. Now, tons of noise. Why? So a Sanyo EZ monitor didn't have, it sounds like um, it had no noise issues, but then he rebuilt the um, the audio. Now Evan did the cap kit on chassis and now a ton of noise. Why? I mean, the only thing I can think of is if there, I mean, usually, you know, there's that audio, the little audio um, board that's yeah. on the, the monitor. I mean, if there's a cap put in wrong or if right. there's something wrong with your board. Like, yeah. if it's not sending the audio well to the a- amplifier, because that's what that really is on the same EOEZ, is an amplifier. Right. So if the audio is not coming correctly out of the board, obviously, then we could have that. Um, but it but, was... But it wasn't doing the issues wasn't before. wasn't working until this happens, which made me think, yes, either the a cap got put in backwards, which is entirely possible even from a professional, uh, or... Some of the solder flowed in touch, right. so there's you know there's not a may space a between there. May have right. a bridge. That's one thing that I would check. And worst case scenario, just tell him, hey, I'm getting a bad audio. Can I send you the audio board back? Would you recheck it? Or it could have been a bad cap. Just I've seen caps that are new. That we're back. We have had. We've actually had that before. It's happened before. Just because you get a new cap kit doesn't necessarily mean that every cap kit in it's going to be good. Tim, you go and buy a new TV. Sometimes right. the TV doesn't work out of the box. Exactly. And so it's the same way with caps. I mean, it's rare, but every so often you will get a bad cap in a cap kit that's brand new. And just for some reason, it may have dried out or there may be something else wrong with it. That would cause that issue. Now, other things that it could possibly be when you hook it back up, is your, is your chassis grounded good? Uh, you know, that can cause some static and some things like that. Uh, did you move the game? Maybe there's a place in your room, something near it that's caused a problem. I would check all the wiring as well. Make sure that you're getting au- your, your audio wires from the board to the amplifier work, you know, are all nice. They're all making a good connection, all that kind of stuff as well. Um, I, I mean, there's a lot of things that could be, but I'm with you, Tim. Maybe, you know, sending it back to whoever did the cap kit saying, hey, I'm getting a little bit of noise on the line. Could you double check it for me? Or like you mentioned, Tim, just, um, you know, just trying to see if there may be any bad caps on there, ESR meter or something else. Yeah. You know, just because just because you have a new cap doesn't necessarily mean it's working properly. Right. So. And a lot of times they don't have a way necessarily to test them in your game like you do. 
So uh, I would definitely contact him about that and see what if he won't come through or help you with it. Sounds good. So hopefully answers your question. Uh, please let us know if you need additional help with that. We'll try to help you out there, Michael. So. Uh, Danny says, good to see you guys again. Nice shirts. Uh, Tim, mm. you're wearing one I got for your birthday. For birthday, yeah. So, And I'm wearing uh, a Captain America shirt because I'm a big Captain America nerd. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, Iceman says hello. Hello, Iceman. Uh, John says, I have a Hantrex Polo 33-inch that all the colors went dark slowly, almost like the brightness was turned down all the way. I turned up the brightness on the flyback, and it didn't help. Any idea? So, Tim, this sounds more like a high voltage issue. Like yes. we're losing our B plus. Exactly. So, I mean, because I mean, for it to be like for all everything to kind of dim like that, right. Tim. I mean, now it could be a bad flyback, but it's something in the high voltage section. Right. And so, the very first thing we check is your B plus voltage. Yes. So, when those colors, if if um, they're good when it comes on, and then they start to fade over time, check the B plus voltage to see if it's fading with it. And he said the keyword that Handerex. Uh, chassis was really bad about little filter caps and the little tiniest guys going right. out in there and eventually they go completely out right and uh we've replaced many of those and brought it right back to life a right. little list smallest those are those same kit. caps those caps are going to be in that high voltage section that right. we talked about tim and so right. yes you want to check every right in the part. middle of your right your board. you want to check every part in your high voltage line tim to make sure so basically everything coming from the plug all the way to the flyback you want to make sure that everything is getting good voltage all the way through um the b plus though specifically make sure that you're getting good full b plus through there because that can cause if that b plus drops over time that can cause that kind of dimming that you're describing for sure so uh joe easy crt fix replace with an lcd monitor why would anyone want to fix those things tim <laughs> why would anybody want to fix a crt well, sometimes it's the way that the game looks actually looks too good. Yeah. And it takes a little bit of that classic feel. It's like saying, why would you want to drive a 57 Chevy when you drive a new Chevy? Well, it just looks cool. It has a different... There's a lot of people who like 57 Chevys. It, <laughs> it has a different look to it. And when you play the game, uh, even with a new monitor, which we do recommend, um, it, it's just, a, for some people, it's just a that grainy type, feel or look raster lines and stuff are, are just what they remember what they how they remember playing the game so you kind of keep it classic like that absolutely uh let's see john says you're crazy and i think you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like uh, who'd want an lcd uh, you know it's to each his own no fighting right tim right to each his own if you want lcds lcds for everybody you want crts crts for everybody so there you go but um what i think we talked about this before tim eventually we're just going to have to go LCD. Yeah, eventually. I mean, they're not making CRTs anymore. So, And it is cheaper to repair one than it is to replace one. Absolutely. In most cases, yes. most cases. So D, uh, DS Ford says, hey guys, good to see my favorite arcade repair dudes. Wanted to say that I really appreci appreciate Tim's comments in the last episode on his less than motivated employee. Oh. Okay. I think that was two episodes ago, but yeah, that, was, that was a very good story. For those of you guys who don't know mm -hmm. what we're talking about, I think that was episode 25, Tim, where you talked about your less than motivated employee in the after show and yeah. what you did with that. All right. Well, so, and um, mm -hmm. the new guy that you hired is... Off and running, doing great. There you go. And well worth the extra money I'm paying him over the last guy. <laughs> there you go. A uh, quick update there. Yeah. I like it. Um, let's see. John says, I'll look into the caps in the B+. Plus. That sounds good. And, okay, I think we're caught up. All we're right. caught up. We're caught up. Okay, so if All you guys right. have anything else, again, leave them in the comments. We'll get to them as we move along. But now, Tim, it's time to get to GB's question. And I'm just going to assume Ghostbusters. How about that? Okay. <laughs> so Ghostbusters writes, I have a San Francisco rush, and the game plays great. The monitor was just replaced with a Neotech 2701, but periodically the screen will go blank for a split second and then come back on. It's very irritating. Any thoughts? 
Ghostbusters. Okay, Tim. So we have Ghostbusters here. GB. Okay, I won't say Ghostbusters. GB. Okay. But um, GB, excuse me, has a San Francisco Rush, and he has a Neotech 2701 mm-hmm. monitor in that San Francisco Rush. Right. And every so often, it will flicker and turn off for a second and then come back on. Yeah. So, so generally when we see that, we're thinking about cold solder joints or something just not getting power. Or almost what we talked about earlier, you got that filter cap that's starting to fail. Uh, but a lot of times it's broken traces or wires when because it comes right back on. Right. But it's still very annoying when you're playing the game and then all of a sudden it stops working or starts working and you know, kind of back and forth, back and forth. Now, I mean, there are some things that could be, you want to check your power supply, of course, that those are not just dropping the voltage and then, or your power supply could be so close to the voltage that when it goes to a certain length, you know, then it, or a certain level, like it drops down to 4.9 or something, then it shuts off, but then the get, then the power supply goes back up because it's not being pushed and starts your game again. Uh, so I would definitely check the power supply on that one also. And you see, and, and Tim, that's really important for people to understand is that when a board gets taxed really hard, especially in driving games, it seems like, that sometimes you will have signals dropping out or things like that. Because, right. you know, if you're not getting, the, when the basically the demand for voltage becomes higher, and so if your power supply is not meeting that voltage, then you may have a cutout for a second from the board, not necessarily from the monitor. But kind of like what you're talking about, guys, uh, with the previous question that we got in the live chat, is that a lot of times this is related to a high voltage issue on the monitor chassis. So make sure that you check, like Tim mentioned, for cracked or broken solder joints on the chassis. It could just be that, like, for just a brief second, like, you know, it, you know that cold solder joint kind of disconnects and then reconnects real quick. So make sure you touch up all the solder, all the cracked, broken solder joints on the monitor chassis for sure um check all the broken traces especially in the input wiring tim yeah so make sure that the wiring ring between the board and the main board and the chassis is good make sure all that wiring is making a good connection uh and like you mentioned tim i mean you know it 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 really that high voltage section is very important so you do want to make sure that all of the connections are being made there trace wise and that all of the parts are in there is good filter caps and and um, the, the horizontal output transistor, flybacks, B plus voltage is good. You want to make sure that all that stuff is good. And when it drops again, kind of like we were recommending before, check the B plus voltage to see if you got a drop in that as well. Right. So that's another thing to do. But Tim, a lot of times we've seen this be just a broken trace. Very, seen it a very lot. common. So where we just had one broken trace on the monitor chassis, it was causing it. And once we soldered it up, it was fine. So um, that's why we're going to recommend that first. Just go through and do all that. And Tim, I know you've, you've told the story before, but Michael, who was like our expert monitor repair guy, would always go through and just fix all the, all the broken traces first, right? He would just before he'd ever even start working on the board, he would just flip it over and start uh, repairing or just start touching up solder on traces, right? The main traces, you know, like coming from the uh, chassis. I mean, from the main board and stuff, right? So that's definitely something that fixes a lot of a lot of games, a lot of chassis, a lot of main boards, and so make sure try that first and see if that works. Check all your wiring and stuff, then check the high voltage line. Hopefully, between those areas, you'll get your game back up and running. And Tim, uh, of course, you have the um, you have your monitor. You know, it's a Neotech twenty seven hundred one. Uh, KLOV has a nice repository of monitor manuals yes. that you can go to, and there's a link below that you can see. And we also put that on the outline, which I'll put up here, um, that you'll see down there at the very bottom. But uh, like we mentioned, it does sound like you're having a problem with either power supply or video input sections of your monitor chassis. So make sure you look for any cold, cracked, or broken solder joints in the sections. Make sure you're checking the wires and the cable that run from the main board to the monitor chassis. And also, obviously, the high voltage sections of the monitor chassis as well. Uh, we've seen this occur, like Tim mentioned, in the main board itself. You may just need to you know, turn up your power supply, so that's something to think about. 
but there are monitor manuals that you can find on KLOV site, and the Neotech 2701 is there. Depending nice. on which version you have, there are monitor manuals for that there. So you may want to check that out if you haven't already. So, GB, Ghostbusters, whatever your name is, okay. uh, good luck getting that San Francisco Might be Green rush. Bay. Green Bay could be Green Bay. There you go. But um, good luck getting that San Francisco rush back up and running 100%. Hopefully you can get that little flash out of your picture and it will operate well for years to come. Okay, we're coming. Oh, Michael says, late, but I'm here. Well, Thanks hey, for being here, Michael. We always appreciate you being here. John says, what's the best tool to remove pins out of a KK Edge card connector? So, what what is the best tool for removing pins? And, you know, when I think of edge connectors, Tim, um, a lot of times on those, we just use, like, small screwdrivers. Yeah, a really small screwdriver works good. But they do make a um, a pin, popping a pin tool. tool for that. And I want to say that uh, a lot of pinball uh, guys sell that, like... Uh, pinballlive.com, stuff like that. They sell them because you have a lot of those type of connectors on a pinball game. Right, you don't have machine. as many in arcade games. Right. Maybe just your monitor input right. is the only one in your so, game. So uh, we've had a lot of luck just using a very small, like a jeweler screwdriver or something. But they do make a tool that probably makes that a tiny bit easier. I don't, I've don't. i used it and haven't found a ton of difference with it, though. Uh, the ones that's the edge connectors are a little bit harder for me to take out. Sometimes I have used an edge connector tool. You can Google that one. Uh, that will help a little bit more with that. There you go. Uh, let's see what else we have here, Michael. Can you actually get the depinning that have all the all kinds of tools? They aren't expensive either. You, oh, you can actually get depinning that have all of the kinds of tools that aren't expensive either. Depending kits. Yeah. So you get a depending kit for the Molex. I think Hap sells one. Yeah, that one's probably me. Hap has all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm sure if they don't, you get one from Mauser or DigiKey or one of those mm-hmm. Molex dealers. They probably have some of those depending kits. But a lot of times, me and Tim just use a, a small jeweler screwdriver to, to take those pins out. Most of the time. So there yeah. you go. Uh, Joe says, I got a Sega Turbo, bought it broken. When it powers on, the screen monitor is frozen on the demo start screen. Where should I start? Thank you, D- Joe in Detroit. So, uh, Tim, well, I think we have a saying around here, right? right. Always start at power. Right. Yes, the, the ASAP approach works a lot of times, and it's exactly what sounds like is wrong with yours, is that your power supply is getting to where it's starting to be pushed, and it's failing. So, it may just need to be tweaked and turned up a little bit, or it may be time to replace it. Check your voltages at the time before and after and see if there's not a drop. Yeah, and it sounds like it's coming up frozen, Tim, for the most part. Like, okay. Let's see. Never, uh, it's, never yeah, able it's to. frozen on the demo sh- demo start screen. So, yeah, maybe it boots a little bit and then freezes. It sounds right. like something like that. So it could be that. It could be It could be, uh, It could could be. be the board itself, obviously. It so, could be. I mean, we do have a video on inspecting an arcade board, which is a great place to start. But um, a lot of times it could be RAM or ROM chips, depending on maybe it's trying to load things into memory. It's having a trouble doing that. Or maybe it can't load from the ROM chips. Maybe that's the problem. So it could be either one of those could be a number of traces on the border broken i mean when you start in the board repair tim there's a lot of different things right i would be interested to see if it'll come up in test mode because if it does and it's not you're not processing much in test mode you're just very simple screens and stuff but then when you go to process video it's happening i'd be very very suspectful of that power supply sounds good uh let's see john says what's your favorite type and brand of solder 
I, I don't um, think we we really have like a brand. We use I mean, we've used Radio Shack solder a lot. I mean, yeah, just because it was quick and easy to get. Right, <laughs> I mean, when you could buy it. Yeah, I don't exactly. even know if you can buy it. They there still now. sell it on their website, and you're next to. Um, we have a store here called Hobby Town that sells yes. a lot of Radio Shack That's stuff. That's probably so. where I would get it. It's about the same. Um, so. You know, to be honest, a solder with a little bit of lead in it seems to work better. Well, but I was thinking, a lot like, of people is it 60, 40 60, rosin? 40, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say rosin core. I mean, and I've seen a lot of people buy the really huge solder, and it's very hard to work with. So uh, the 60-40 seems to be working out, be the best for what we like. It's been a while since I bought solder. You know, we buy solder in, and like, you know, huge roll rolls of it. Last so. forever. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, it's like... You know, I can't remember the last time I actually went to the store and bought it. But you, I think you can actually buy Weller brand and stuff. Yeah, they but um, they have so I think we have that link to. I was going to look on the website. I think we actually have that link to. But um, it, I mean, does brand wise though? I haven't found really any. I was about to say, is, is there any difference between? I mean. Yeah, you know, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty Somebody much. Somebody that does more solder than us will probably be able to answer that. Yes, there's a lot of difference when you do it. When you don't do it. Uh, you know, as any more often we do it quite often, but maybe not as much as somebody that just works on boards continually. All the time, I was about to say. So, so I mean, I think it really depends. But I mean, you know, sixty forty rosin core solder, I guess, is I mean, that's what we've done. For right, years, and then right? I know people that won't use lead based solder at all, and right. I have found it to take a long time to heat. <laughs> I, I I would prefer a little bit of lead in mine. I'm just, I was, but I ate a lot of paint chips as a yeah, kid. Yeah, it doesn't matter anyway. So, right? yeah. well, I was gonna say. I mean, I think on here we, we do the Alpha Fry is the stuff that we that we recommend the sixty forty on our arcade toolbox. I was looking okay. that up, and I mean that's fine. Brand we really haven't found a brand that's any better than any other brand. I guess I know, like right. you said, there may be some board guys out there that are saying, "Oh, you need to go with this brand or." whatever the case may be. Well, we've used all sorts of different brands, really never had an issue with any of them. No, right? 60-40, so, though. Yeah, 60-40 is the stuff that, I mean, we usually get rosin core solder. So, I mean, but I, besides that, I mean, brand-wise, get whatever brand is you, you trust right. or whatever. If you can buy something in town, that's nice. That exactly. I mean, that's the, it seems like when we it need in. it, we always just we always just go to Radio Shack. And now with Hobby Town, right. selling Radio Shack stuff. They do have more there. Radio Shack parts, thank goodness. Exactly. I never planned far enough ahead to say I'm mm-hmm. going to be out of solder. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's I'm, always I'm, right in the middle exactly. of Exactly. I'm like soldering. Oh, wait a second. I'm out. Right. So, there you go. Uh, Michael says, let's see. Uh, Urson, Multicar, and Kessler are my go-to. Um, or Kester. Whichever one you do, do not buy lead-free. That stuff is junk, just like you mentioned, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no lead-free. Um, if you're in California, that may be the only one Maybe. they sell. I, I can't remember if they sell the lead stuff. Um, you know, California's done away with a lot of um, lead products. Right. So, there you go. But anyway, so there you go. I guess we can move along here, Tim. we got a couple more questions, it looks like, so let us move on with Chris. Okay. And he says, hey, man, I have a question, if I may. I have a you Mortal might. Kombat 2 arcade game that does something funky. I like that, Tim. When I boot it up and apply credits, the player two side will automatically select player two and pull the figure to the left. If I join in with player one, it plays perfectly. In, di- in diagnosis mode, diagnostic mode, um, it claims that the switch is pushed for the back pin and the player two select pin. I changed the cherry switches on both, but it still didn't fix the problem. Any ideas, guys? Any help would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Chris. So, Tim, we have Chris here. He's got Mortal Kombat 2. And basically, when he puts in a credit for it, it automatically starts when he goes to like the character select. And then the character constantly moves back. 
Right. Okay? And so what do you think's happening here that would cause the player to, to just automatically start and then for the player two character to just continuously move back? Well, the fact that he changed the cherry switch tells me that it's probably not a switch issue, right. but it may be in how he wired up the switch. Sure. Or the wires going to the switch, yes. or or in the wrong place. So, a couple things he's going to need to do is easy thing to do is to know whether he hooked up the switch correctly or not. Right. We'll show that in a second. The next thing will be to find the pinouts and to trace it back and to see what is stuck on, or to literally unplug uh, everything and start one wire at a time to see which one is causing the problem. But uh, I think it's a micro-switch wiring issue, if I had to guess. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and put that up, because, Tim, that's what I guess, too. Mm. First thing to check is your micro-switch wiring. Make sure that you have the ground wire connected to the ground prong, or, or the common prong, common, Tim, right. uh, which is usually located by itself on the bottom of the switch, and your button wire is connected to the normally open or NO prong. And, Tim, I have a little diagram over to the left there that you can see. Um, if you hook your button wire to the normally closed prong, it will cause the behavior you are describing. Exactly. Okay, to a T. Also, check for broken wires themselves. Make sure they're not, you know, make sure there's no wires that are broken, cut, or damaged. If there are areas in contact with the ground, it can also cause this issue. And, Tim, something else that I'm thinking about while I'm here is that Mortal Kombat 2 typically has a Molex connector that connects between the control panel and the main board yes. for the controls. And so make sure that that Molex mm -hmm. connector, like all of the, they check the continuity on all those wires. Make sure they're all going to the right place and that all the continuity checks out uh, through there as well. Because it, there could be something kind of wonky and that Molex connector connections as well. Or if you want to do um, continuity checks from the buttons all the way back to the jam harness. So that, exactly. So that way Great you know for start. a fact you're getting all the way all the way there. So is there anything else that we missed here for Chris's question, Tim? No, I really feel like it's something in the wiring or just something hooked up wrong. Gotcha. Maybe this will help him. Sounds good. So Chris, hopefully answers your question. Good luck getting that Mortal Kombat 2 uh, up and running 100%. Hopefully the two-player will be able to play very soon. So... Okay, Tim, we have Mr. Dwayne here. He said, sorry, I had to pick up the son from soccer practice. Here now. Welcome, That's Dwayne. what counts, mm -hmm. is that you're here now. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're glad to have you here. Tell the so. soccer coach he needs to cut it short on the, on the first, first Thursday, Thursday night of the month. That's right, exactly. Right. I got a I got a live show to be at. Tim. Right, that's right, exactly correct. So, um, but you know, Tim, I always have a tough time making it here by five thirty two, and this is my house, so I understand completely. Right. So, uh, it can be quite a challenge to be on time for for uh, for the live show, and that's okay, guys. We're just glad that you made it. So right. that's what it comes down. Or to. if you're watching a really long Avenger movie. That's right, exactly. You're like sweating it if it's even going to be done in time after you've been there all afternoon. Exactly. I didn't think you were going to make it because you said you were going to see it this afternoon. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to delay the live show because I figured it was so long. One, one thirty. They, yeah. Oh, one, there you go. Uh, you got out just in time. So literally, you go in in the afternoon and it's night. Right. You go in in the in at in the morning and it's it's lunchtime. I mean, right. it's just it's crazy. So you get very your long for us. Oh, maybe. absolutely. So there you go. Okay, Tim, let us move on to Ben's question. And Ben writes, and Tim, I have a picture here. Don't you love those pictures? Yes. So I have, I'm having trouble getting my pull position screen to sync. Yes. I recently <laughs> bought a working board set and the screen looks like the picture attached. Game plays and sound, sounds work fine, just the picture is off. I tried to adjust vertical and horizontal holds, but it doesn't help. Thank you for your help, Ben. Well, Tim... Looking at that picture, I would definitely say here that Ben has a sync issue. There's I think no doubt so. about that. So what is going on now? He's trying to adjust the holds, Tim, on his monitor. But when your sync is this out of whack, yeah, a lot of times it's not a, about say, a lot of times it's not necessarily a hold issue. It's probably something else. So, right. Tim, what do you got here for Ben? 
Well, it definitely is out of sync, like you said, but it's probably more or less the pins on his monitor chats or something either are loose or not hooked up correctly. He didn't say if this started to happen or if he bought it like that. Uh, that that might would help a little bit, but at the same time, well, what he does say is he sent the boards off for repair. Okay. Okay. Didn't he say that? Hang on a second. I got to do that. I got to double check just to make sure. He oh, he got a working board set. So okay. he had he had a cabinet. Right. He, had a so bad he, board didn't, set. he didn't know what it looked like. Right. Probably because it wasn't working. Exactly. But he put a new board set, working board set in that he bought, and now it's giving him that out of sync. And it sounds like everything's working with it. It's right. just out of sync. The fact that he can hear it play and he's able to play the game, we do tend to think, okay, it must be in the monitor. So it might be that it just needs, um, I think you put in the, in the notes that it's composite sync, negative sync, and he may just have me one pin off. Or he might need to combine his wires to make sure that it's it is getting that composite or negative sync that it requires. Right. So you need to because here's the deal, guys. This is what is confusing, especially to a newer guy. And I, I may be speaking to half the audience here, or n- none of the audience, but maybe in the future audience that's watching. Just because you have a certain game, you have to understand how that game sends out a signal. And then every monitor is different. Right. So that board might have worked great in test, but when he puts it in his game, it's not working because he's got a different monitor than the guy testing the mo- game. Sure. So different monitors require different types of sync. So you got to find out what your game puts out and what your monitor that your particular monitor requires. And those two are probably are not matching up. If he can get them two to match up, everything should be fine. And Tim, I think you're right here. So I'm just going to go ahead and put this up here real quick. Yes, definitely looks like a sync issue. We recommend starting off this repair by making sure that your sync is connected to the correct pins on your monitor chassis. Pole position uses composite negative sync. Tim, we've heard composite negative sync. JAMA games use right. a lot of composite negative sync. So you may need to split the wires. If your monitor chassis has pins for negative horizontal and vertical sync separately. And Tim, we've talked about this in our video on replacing an arcade monitor and the fact that sometimes you have to split a sync right. and hook it up to your to your monitor chassis. Sometimes you have to combine two syncs Correct. to put it on your yeah, monitor chassis. Yeah, that video definitely will help. And we explain it maybe a little bit better and show some actual sync issues and how we fix it. Right. And not only that, though, the real TheRealBobRoberts.net, which I didn't put on the slide, has a great article on syncing. That you should check out, and I can't remember what the URL is right now, but the real Bob Roberts There's a nice, a nice article he has on there, Tim, about mm-hmm. dealing with different sinks, and we would recommend that for you as well. Now, Tim, you may have your sinks all hooked up correctly, okay? Right. And so, if you do, then you could have a power issue. Your B plus voltage, Tim, we have seen this. When your B plus voltage gets out of whack, basically it makes it impossible to sync. That is true. Because if your, let's say your B plus voltage is low, but getting enough to output a picture, right? You may not be able to sync it properly. Okay. So you do want to check your B plus voltage on the monitor. Now, Tim, a lot of monitors use 120 volts uh, for their B plus, but not every monitor. So make sure you look up your particular monitor chassis to see what voltage your B plus voltage should be. Sometimes it's 110. I think on Sanyo's it's 100, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so different B-plus voltages for different monitor chassis. A lot of them are 120, but make sure that your B-plus voltage is dialed in as well. Tim, we talked a lot about B-plus voltage tonight. But it can definitely cause sync issues like the one you're you're having here. So, Ben, hopefully answers your question. And good luck getting that pole position monitor synced properly. Okay, let us continue on here, Tim. Oh, Matty Moe's Arcade's here. I just saw that. And, uh, Tim, it looks like we have uh, Jason and Matty Moe have not seen Avengers. 
Okay, we won't spoil anything. We won't spoil anything. Did I spoil anything for you? No. I posted some spoilers yeah. to Tim about Avengers. Did they, I spoil it? Made no sense. Okay, now so they make sense. They weren't really spoilers. They were context clues. Context clues, yeah. Maybe okay. we'll talk about that in the All right, show. maybe so. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But anyway, um, no, but no no spoilers. No, no spoilers. No spoilers. So there you go. Um, but Tim, it looks like... Oh, John, chime back in. Here's an arcade debate topic. Release prototype ROMs in MAME or not? That you would think like that, a great arcade. You topic. would think that John wrote our outline. <laughs> great, great point. Guess what's coming up here in a bit? Teaser. We're going to be getting to that. So anyway, Tim, let us move on to YouTube questions. Tim, we had two that I just wanted to cover real quickly okay. here. One is from Wood Berry Garden. Okay, is that right? Wood Berry Garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your video on drilling holes in plexiglass, I can't tell if the plastic film is on the bottom or the top where the bit starts. And then Rodney says, in your video on repairing joysticks, which issues, I missed what the different joystick types are called. So, Tim, let's take Woodbury Garden's question here first. Drilling holes in plexiglass. Right. Did we start with the plastic film on the bottom or the top where where the bit started? Uh, the the film is usually on the bottom and the top. Right. We usually so, have it on both. The, the um, plexi that we buy usually has it on both sides. Right. And we like to keep it on. Yes. And it makes a difference. I have tried to cut it. With the hole saw, with it off, and with the plastic on, it definitely cuts better with the plastic on. I've seen uh, guys that do this a lot more than me. A lot of times will take a, it, let's say it was an older piece of plexiglass, they'll take a piece of masking tape and put over it and then drill the hole. Yeah. So some about that helps keep that from cracking, so I would definitely recommend doing that. And so and if you've only got one side of plastic, and Tim, use the plastic use side. Use the plastic side. That's what I was going to say. So if you've only got one side that's covered in the plastic when you get your plexiglass, use that side to drill your holes. There's just something about it, like Tim mentioned. And I'm sure there's some physics explanation right. for this that we don't we're not entitled to or anything or we don't know but um i will say that it does seem to cut a lot better when you i just know when side. stuff works or it doesn't work. exactly and that works Simple. that's what we know um and then rodney was like okay so in our video on repairing joystick switch issues we talk about different types of joysticks we covered two types of joysticks but there's actually another type as well right what were the two that we covered in that video Do we you talked remember, about leaf switch joysticks which are really the older the game the more you see those I uh, think of original Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man had a leaf style, so did Galaga. Um, a lot of pinball machines have those type still, of switches. A lot of, a lot of pinball machines still use leaf and, switches. And uh, people like those type of switches. Then what we see more of the fighting games, once you get into that era, you see more of a micro switch or we say cherry switch a lot of times. Main brand is cherry um, on the micro switch. Right, a micro switch based. And then one that we don't talk about and we haven't shot a video on, you do have a few games uh, Blitz was one of them I remember was real popular with a opto base or uh, electronic type switch. Right. And, you know, you can actually buy four-way joysticks that work in fighting games mm-hmm. that are optical based. I right. mean, so, I mean, Blitz is one that comes to mind because Blitz also has a breakout board mm-hmm. for the optical joysticks. And so each joystick has more than four wires. I think okay. it has eight pair or something like that. And so those connectors are wider for each joystick. And then you actually have an optical board, an opto board that actually translates those for the game. So, I mean, optical-based joysticks, there are quite a few out there. We've seen them in, I mean, obviously, NFL Blitz, but we've also seen them in games, Tim, like I said, regular fighting games where people have replaced right. their sure. micro-switch ones with the optical. We don't talk about that in that one because, really, micro-switch and leaf are probably the most common ones that we see. Way more common. Yeah, so, I mean, even, like, the Sandwa joysticks that a lot of you guys like are micro-switch-based, mm-hmm. you know? So, it's not like it's not like um, they're not using them anymore. They're still using micro-switch joy- uh, joysticks quite a bit and still probably the most common by what we see. Probably so. So. So I'll go ahead and throw it up here, Tim, since we got the outline here. 
Uh, let's see. The plexiglass that we buy usually has plastic film on both sides. We recommend leaving that film on while you're drilling the holes in your plexiglass. The step drill bit will also work without the film, but we found that you're less likely to crack the plexiglass if the protective film is still on it. Tim mentioned putting a piece of masking tape over the place where you're going to drill the holes, um, as that also will help with the cracking issues. Yes. So, and it really depends on what kind of plexiglass you buy. They have like the super industrial plexiglass right. that it doesn't crack at all, and then they they have the cheap stuff that we buy. So, <laughs> because we Lexan don't like that a lot. is a little bit more is tougher. And it doesn't crack as bad, but it is a little bit more expensive. Right. Um, for Rodney, again, micro switch leaf base, but optical. And Tim, this is a, this joystick here is actually a blitz style joystick. Yes. Um, just to give you an idea that has the 49 way component, optical sensors in it. So those are less common, but they're still out there. And it's something we didn't talk about in that video. Correct. So, there you go. Okay, there we go. Okay, Tim, um, we're getting to close to your tech tip, but we have a couple of questions over here real quick. So um, let's see. What kind of joystick did Berserk use? I can't think off the top of my head. It may have been optical base. Berserk had... Berserk. You got to look it up for us? I want to try to look that up real okay. quick because well, I think it was a... Um... While you're doing that, Michael says, what can cause jail bars on monitors? It really depends Cap. on what you mean mm-hmm. by jail bars. Now, it can be caps. It can be that you have your flyback brightness turned up too high instead of your main chassis uh, brightness turned up. Uh, that can cause that as well. Sometimes people mistake jail bars for graphic glitches. If you're having a graphic glitch, then it's probably a board issue. But if you're having like the standard raster jail bar pattern, Tim, a lot of times it could be an issue with caps or brightness on your flyback monitor chassis that can cause that being turned up a little bit too high um so we always recommend starting with turning down the brightness to see if you can get rid of those jail bars and if you can't then you may try a cap kit and a flyback replacement to see if that helps the issue so yeah turning down flyback first and that's and delusional says that too flyback first is usually what causes jail jail uh, bars like we mentioned a lot of times we see that where the flyback brightness is too high and the chassis brightness is too low we'll see that a lot in that so, what kind of oil do you use on trackball bearings? Three, three in one. one. Three in one oil. We've, we've recommended that for a, a long time. And I think it even works on the Arcade 1-Up trackballs as well, Tim. I think I used it on mine. It worked really well. Three in one oil. You can get it from Amazon or your local hardware store. Um, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty good stuff and works pretty easily. So. See, I was thinking, KLV doesn't list Berserk as having a specific style joystick. I think they were just a, a, a I think they were switch, uh, leaf, leaf switch, switch base. You could check out um i was gonna say you could check out the um the mod the uh, manual yeah probably have it in there but i'll look that up why don't you do your tech tip for us here, all right Tim? let's go into our tech tip tonight okay and uh just something really simple that you know a lot of guys have talked about what am i going to do you know I, I, we're starting to really see some of these arcade one-ups they're showing up at trade shows they're showing up cheap on craigslist and different places and a lot of people have talked about how to mod these and uh, what to do. Well, our friends at Retro Arcade Store have come up with a kit that they sell for that to change it to a 60 and one So that definitely helps. Uh, is that that one there? Oh, no, th- I found the... Um, uh, we can come out real quick. So Berserk does have an opto board. Oh, it does have an opto so board. So it, it does have an opto board. It so would make it, sense the way that it moves. It moves a little bit different, exactly. I was thinking it was optical. So technically, Berserk is an optical joystick. So okay. it uses an opto board to d- determine... Oh, yes. I remember working on a Berserk now, a long time ago. But yes, it is an optical board. And uh, it's it's kind of like a... Um, it's, very, it's very similar to a pinball... 
uh, what you score. Like when it goes down a hole or something, right? That those type of what they do is they have a sensor over here, a sensor over here, usually a sensor here and a sensor here, like four infrared. sensors, infrared. Right. And a lot of times uh, they have to be lined up, and as you break that. Break those lines. Um, yeah. And that's how it Usually I, I remember the joystick now had a, like a really silver part on it. It had to be really shiny. Uh, and sometimes if it wasn't working right, those got dirty or whatever, they wouldn't read right. So um, it needs to be clean and shiny. I'm pretty sure you're right. It's optical. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. But anyway, back to the, uh, the do-it-yourself retro arcade store uh, is now selling a kit that you can buy. That basically gives you uh, more arcade quality parts and a 60-in-1 board. It talks about how to convert it. So if um, you have access or you've got the arcade one up and you've been thinking about doing this, I think that this is a great and what a great idea. They automatically came up with a kit that you can auto can purchase and put a little bit higher quality parts in there. Now, we should mention, like, the, the 16 kit that's over there, um, that you really have to have one of the vertical-mounted arcade right. one-ups because one. it's vertical game. So you're going to have to use a vertical cannon. So the Pac-Man, the Galaga, yeah. vertical, Centipede, um, let's see. Just like if you were converting any arcade game. Exactly. It's not necessary, but it does look a little better. Otherwise, you'd there. have to physically rotate the monitor. Right. Which is what you don't want to do. Or you just get a really squished screen, which right. doesn't look right. Well, I think it actually displays sideways. Oh, wow. Because of the way the rotation works. So, okay. yeah. So, just like you'd have with a 16 one if you try to put in a horizontal game kind of thing. So, but, Tim, I think one of the coolest things that they sell are those custom Overlays. control panels. Those yeah. are actual, like, you replace that whole wood piece with wow. those. Wow. So, like, um, it's not just the artwork. It's actually the wood piece on there. And now, John, have you priced these? Are they pretty reasonable? Uh, yeah, I think the panels are, like, $60 before shipping. It's not too bad. With the artwork already on them wow. and T-molded. Wow. So, I mean, just looking at them. And, of course, Tim, they sell the Sanwa joysticks and the, the arcade quality buttons, which, you know, you've mentioned in the past some of the controls in the arcade one up are not quite up to, like, arcade quality. Right. So, for those of you guys who want that experience, they offer parts for that. So, I mean, yeah. and, the, and they're pretty reasonably priced, but, Tim, they have an entire section just for arcade one up upgrades. So, I mean, it makes it really easy for those of you guys who have arcade one ups who want to upgrade. Tim, I should mention, before we go on, a couple of things about arcade one up. I got another arcade one-up cabinet you for did. my birthday. I got the Street Fighter one. It's okay. sitting over here in a box. And I haven't put it together yet. Okay. But um, I did get the Street Fighter 2 one. Uh, my wife was nice enough to get that for my birthday. So kind of cool looking. Yeah. Um, and they did just release three new cabinets. The Final Fight, which you got to see right. when you went on your trip there, is now available. You can okay. buy them in the stores now. Um, the Mortal Kombat 2 that plays Mortal Kombat 1, Mortal Kombat 2, and Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 right. is now available. And then the Golden T, Tim, which you mentioned you may be interested I in. I might be interested in that. Is also now available. The cool thing about the Golden T is that it has a riser right. and it has a lighted marquee. Yeah. So it's very cool. And I'm sure, Tim, that was all done with licensing and permission from Incredible Technologies. So, so. Because they own all that kind of stuff. But, um, uh, Tim, I, I still think that arcade one-ups are a great deal for you guys who, you know, don't necessarily either have the room for a full-size cabinet or don't want to spend all the money on one, whatever the case may be, or fixing one up. And I uh, hope that you guys who have them are, are enjoying them. Um, I enjoy my, uh, you know, night, or what is it that I have here? 12-in-1. I enjoy the 12-in-1 quite a bit. We still play it quite a bit. Um, and I'm looking forward to putting together my 
Fighter 2. Maybe yep. I'll mod the Street Fighter 2. It's kind of... I feel like Street I'm Fighter 2 is kind of made for modding. I'm you know? wondering about that. Yeah. Would, would, I don't guess anybody would care since they bought it for your birthday. Exactly. Maybe that'd be a great video for us to get the kit and show how to mod it. Maybe. So right now it's in the box. I need to put it together. So there you go. But Tim, thanks for that tech tip. Thanks for letting us know about all the cool arcade one-up mod stuff. So uh, again, do it yourself. Uh, RetroArcade.com, right? Yes. Yes, there we go. So... Okay, Tim, let's see what else we have here. My Gorf um, Mini has an optical Tron-style joystick. Crazy setup. Yeah, we've seen that. that I was about to say, yeah, we've seen a lot of those that have the optical style. Um, let's see. Golden Tee was smart. They should sell well. Yeah, I think the Golden Tee for the Arcade 1-Ups is going to sell well. Tim's yeah. even talking about buying one, for goodness sake. <laughs> so, Edward says, hello, guys. Hello, Edward. Thanks for being here. We always, I just like to throw hellos to people. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's cool when somebody posts where they're from. We had somebody from New Hampshire earlier. Yeah, New Hampshire earlier. That was pretty, that's pretty far piece from We got a lot of Texas people here, which we appreciate too. So I saw Maddie Moe was here, and we're going to have to talk about our Stars versus Blues, um, uh, you know, thing in the after show, Tim. Because, okay. you know, I know mm-hmm. Matt, I know that you're a big uh, St. Louis Blues fan, and we're big Stars fans, right, Tim? Right. So we got a little rivalry going on. We'll discuss that in the after show. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, Tim, before we get too far, let us continue on to some news stories. And the first one we have here is, did a vigilante ROM leaker go too far to preserve a lost Atari ROM? Okay, now this was posted on our Facebook page by Louie. Louie did a good job with this. I posted the one right before it that had a lot of detail about the story as well. Um, I guess you could say great minds think alike. We both posted the story about the same time. But what we need to go ahead and say here is that uh, basically what's happened, guys, is that the ROMs have been dumped for a prototype Atari game, Aka-R, which I hope I'm saying that correctly. (laughs) But there's some controversy over how this happened. Now, Tim, the story goes... That an arcade tech copied the ROMs without permission while he was at a collector's house repairing some of his other games. Okay, so basically what happened is that this collector invited an arcade tech to his house to fix some games. But the arcade tech decided while he was fixing games that he would bust into this ARCA-R cabinet, take the ROMs out, copy them, and put them back in. And release them. That's a pretty far-fetched story. Yeah, and so... While we may not necessarily know if the story is true or false, Tim, I think the concept is very interesting, right? It could happen. It could have happened. It could have happened. So the question is, is it okay for an arcade tech to copy ROM images off of boards that they are working on, period? Like, would we ever do this? And so, Tim, that is what we are going to debate tonight. All right. Is it okay for an arcade tech to copy ROM images off boards that they're working on? Or maybe even boards that they're just nearby <laughs> in this particular <laughs> case. But um, I think that this is kind of the most appealing part of this story is that, you know, did did this guy overstep his bounds? Now, in this particular case, since he wasn't working on the game, he may have. Right. But let's say he was tasked with working this game. Right. Working on this game. To fix it. Exactly. He was let's tasked say they to send fix it. it in for repair. Right, exactly. So this guy comes out to fix the ARCA-R. Would it be okay for him to copy the ROM images off of it? So, Tim, that is where we're going to be tonight. And so, boom, here we are. We are in the arcade debate segment for tonight, guys. And we're going to take a minute here, reset, and come right back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the arcade debate segment for tonight. Now, Tim, you may have heard about the recent controversy surrounding the ROMs for a rare Atari prototype game called Arca-R, okay? And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm not for sure. But basically, as the story goes, is that a repair guy that was tasked with repairing a different game for a collector decided that while he was there, he would copy the ROMs for Arca-R and distribute them on the internet. Now, Tim, we're not necessarily going to deal directly with that controversy, but the question we're going to pose tonight is, is it okay for an arcade tech 
to copy the ROMs off any board that they're working on. So like, let's say you were working on a board. Is it okay for you to copy those ROM files off of that board? So Tim, what is your position? Would it be okay for you to do that? I'm going to say no, based on the fact that, um, especially without any kind of permission, you always, you're there to repair something else. Uh, to basically, it's kind of a version of stealing, in my opinion. What is? What do you say, Jonathan? So here's the deal, Tim. I would say that this is okay to an extent, and let me explain what that extent is. So if now again, now I don't think it was right for him to break into a different game while he was working on this game. That's a different. A totally different argument entirely. But let's say he was tasked with repairing the Arca R arcade cabinet. He he determined it was a board, maybe a board problem. He brought it back to his bench. Would it not be okay for him to copy the ROMs? Especially knowing that this game is a prototype to keep those ROMs stored just in case something happened to the ROMs later on down the road. I don't disagree that it's probably a good idea to do that. It's just the dishonesty part in not telling them that you did that. And that's what the article basically said is they don't know how they got out there that this is might or could have what what one of them thinks happened because they have no idea how it got off. I think as long as they're upfront and honest about it, that it would be okay. But, um, you know, there's comes, there's a fine line between if somebody wants to protect their personal property, just because I come, it's like I'm working on your refrigerator. I don't have a good right to go fix myself a sandwich unless you offer it. And I think some of that is, uh, just being a little bit on the dishonesty side but I know you're talking about when it comes to pre- preserving these games, uh, they shouldn't be stingy with them either. And I know that's where you're coming from, John. What? Are you- well, well, really what it comes down to, Tim, is I think it would have been okay for the arcade tech to copy the ROM files. But I think where you cross the line is in distribution. Right. Um, I wouldn't say that it would be okay for a tech to distribute those. Okay, So like, let's say that I'm working on this board. I copy the ROM files. I would keep them private just hold on to them basically in case those ROMs ever died on that board. Okay. Right. And so then I could rewrite a new ROM and then put it on the board and we'd be fine. When you cross the line over into distribution where you're actually putting them out on the internet, I think at that point is when you cross the line. And like you mentioned, really should have probably checked with the collector in either case. Okay. But I think when you start to distribute, you definitely should have asked permission in that. But is it okay for an arcade tech to just copy the ROMs off of a board? I think so. But when you, when you get into distribution of those ROMs, I think is when things get a little muddy. Does that make sense? I think so, and I think you're right, John. I think another th- person we have to ask ourselves, though, is what about a person says, I'll, if you had a rare game, we're, we're talking about one that only three exist, that doesn't want that game in domain. Uh, and maybe the, the debate can switch here just a little bit, Jonathan. What about those operators? It's almost like a hoarding. Why wouldn't they want that? ROM out? Why wouldn't they want to release it into my... Well, and I see this side of the argument too, Tim, that they think it will devalue the games, right? So like if let's say Arca R is now playable in MAME, they feel like that their original games, their original cabinets may not be worth as much now that it's playable in MAME. I would argue the opposite though. I would say the fact that it actually is available in MAME will make that game more desirable because people will have played it. Tim, how many games did we play in MAME right. where we played in MAME first then we went and found the cabinet exactly. because we, we liked it. We liked this game and it was fun to play. And then we went and sought out the game in particular. And I think you're right there too, Jonathan. And maybe we're agreeing more than we're debating this time. <laughs> but that's okay because we're we're talking about, you know, is it okay? Well, at some point, um, everybody, you got that rare piece that everybody wants to know and wants to play. 
I don't think it'll affect the value at all. I think you're right. I think that the value should stay because what really people want is one thing to play at MAME and just know how the game plays, but that's not how the game plays. It's like playing Tron in MAME. It's not the same as playing it on a Tron machine. Exactly, and I think people realize that, Tim, that there's a huge difference between emulation and playing the game on a cabinet as it is as it was intended. And I think in this particular case, I don't think that it will devalue the cabinets, but I think that there are collectors, especially collectors of rare pieces like this, that are worried that their game may not be worth as much if it's available in MAME. I would say that that's probably an unfounded worry in my personal opinion, but I can see that argument. I can definitely see that side of it. And who's to say that this didn't happen years ago? They're not the original owners. They didn't work for Atari back in the day. Right. These guys have bought it. Evidently, the games have switched hands several times. So who's to say that this guy actually was the tech that came and worked on it? Could have been any of the previous owners. Could have saved a raw man image. be really hard for an arcade repair tech to burn an image and do all that while he's sitting there on your clock and on your dime. If he did, shame on him. I was about to say, though, I mean, you think about this, though, too, Tim. I mean, it'd be a lot easier if you took the board off-site to do that kind of stuff. For Doing sure. it on-site is very difficult. You'd have to have a laptop with ROM-burning imaging software and, and a ROM imager and all that kind of stuff. That's a lot of stuff to haul around with you. I think if I saw my arcade tech coming in with that stuff, I'd be a little suspicious already. But at the same time, like we talked about, if if I was tasked with fixing the board and I had the board on my bench already and I knew it was a rare game, I'd make copy of those ROMs just so I have a copy in case that collector's a game dies at some point. And my only Distri- distribution is different, though. And my, my only difference with that would be as long as you let the owner know, look, I'm going to copy these ROMs. I think on a regular game, it makes a total sense. But obvious, if they're proprietary with that rare game and they're, it is their property, it is their right, I think as long as you're upfront and honest about it and let them know what you're doing, I don't have a problem with it. It's the underhandedness. Did he really sneakily, basically steal them? And then distribute them would be the question. And I'm with you, Tim. And so we're going to leave it at that. But what do you guys say? If you guys are watching this on YouTube, please leave a comment below and let us know what you think. What's your opinion on this issue? Or if you're watching this on Facebook or Twitter, please leave a comment. Send us back a reply and let us know. We want to thank you for joining us for the Arcade Debate segment for tonight. And we'll see you next time. Okay. Are we done? Can I get out of the square now? Yeah. Golly. I was kind of floating out of the square. <laughs> that was actually a hard one to debate because we both have strong opinions both on both sides. Exactly. We get it. Right. I get it that I, I, I would want to play it. Sure. I think it's cool. I mean, I want to play, and I'll probably play it and probably boring. But, you know, it's like, oh, well. It's a piece of gaming history, though. But it, it really is, is a little, and what if, what if uh, uh, you know, here in Texas, gosh, we just had these tornadoes come through. What if something happens and they get destroyed? And then nobody can play it. Exactly. And so I think part of that says that uh, collectors should be open to do that and leave and would want those out there. But uh, but then again, you've got to go through the right channels, the right things. Don't be sneaky and underhanded. But something about the story just doesn't add up. Just doesn't Great. seem that possible that somebody could do that or even would do that. And uh, if if they did do that, maybe this would make a great movie. I don't know. There you go. So, the great Arca-R heist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. If anybody has any personal information, and if you haven't read the article yet, the article does go into a little bit of conspiracy and a little bit of, uh, you know, trying to track down who was original poster. It's kind of like uh, guys that watch the after show, we we won't go too much further. Maybe we'll talk about it more in the after show. I like crime dramas. And one thing I've learned that people, if there's anybody that hangs around and asks a lot of questions about the dr- the crime, 
a lot of times they're connected. It's like they, they're drawn back. They can't quit talking about it. They want the recognition. They want the name in the paper. And for somebody to keep bringing it up that this happened, it's like makes you wonder how how do you know you know so much about it anyway. We'll go. leave that to the everybody else to debate. Okay, so um, let's go ahead and go to the live chat. See what the live chat was thinking here, Tim. We had uh, Edward said he was from Alabama. You're oh. asking for people to say where they are. Thank from. you, so Edward. There you go, Alabama. Thanks for joining us. Um, Jason says Northeast Louisiana. So there we go. So okay, so let's get down to what we're talking about. Maddie Mo says I highly doubt a tech did this on the download. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, YouTube Punk says, save the ROMs. It belongs in a museum. Museum equals internet. Yeah. <laughs> so right. there you go. Um, let's see. John says, looking forward to more prototype ROMs. And yeah, you see, here's the deal, guys, is that these were games like Arca R were not released. Right. And so the only time that people have ever got to play them is now in May. The only time that anybody's gotten to play Arca R, except for the times that collectors have taken them out for festivals. Right, like California Extreme or exactly. something. Exactly, right. Really so, rare. I mean, the fact that you now get to play it, I think, is great. Um, if this story is true, I think this guy did wrong. I'm with right. you. Again, distribution's one thing. If he would have kept the ROMs on his hard drive and just said, I'm going to keep a backup of them just in case, I think that's different. But it's kind of like, uh, he did it, but are we really that upset that he did it? Right. We don't, we don't think it's like. It's a Robin Hood thing, right? Yeah, it's kind of Robin Hood. It's like, right. we, we agree that it wasn't right? the best thing, but we're kind of almost glad that the ROMs are out there too. So that's kind of where we are with the debate. And I think you guys could, like somebody come up with a cure for cancer and stole it. Right. I really wouldn't care if it was curing cancer, but they shouldn't steal it. They right. Should. Then that drug company would make all that money. You know? Right. Whatever the case may be. But anyway. Something like that. Jason says, everything gets out eventually. Hands change over time. And that's true. I mean, but the problem with ROM chips, guys, is that they're dying off. Right. They were never meant to last as long as they are. So, I mean, if you don't rip them now... When are you going to rip and them? And a, a high chance of when you're ripping them that you could destroy, those you could, could destroy be damaged. Them. Absolutely. So I can kind of see why the collector of the rare game is like, I don't know if I really want you doing this. Right. Seems like there'd be a way, though, to do it safely as possible or the best. So what if you asked the collector and he said no? Well, like for distribution, do you would have do to it. do. Then I have to buy by his rules. He's the one paying me to do his job. Sure, I always respect people's wishes that are giving me money. Exactly. I'm there to do what they're asked to do, but. I, I, I wouldn't be above asking. Sure. YouTube Punk says, Angel on my shoulder says, be honest, don't steal. The little <laughs> devil on my shoulder says, someone, glad someone did it. So yeah, kind of in that boat with you. Right. Um, John says, Marble Madness 2, two-player missile command. Yeah, both those we'd like to see if those are prototypes out there. Um, let's see. Geek, Lights, uh, Geek Light says, St. Pete, Florida. And oh. he's not, not upset at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, Jason says, the original cabinets of these games provide the true experience that we remember, not the ROMs. And that's exactly correct. Um, a emulated version of a game can never change the true experience of the game. Because, Tim, the experience is more than just the controls, right. even. It's the artwork. And it's, that's, the, it's the screen. It's and the, that's you know, what it's would make like me uh, about, uh, let's say it's a rare game. Well, there's something that people collect rare games. They bring a lot of value. But when they're so rare, like the game Spider, somebody in the chat room or us has played that before. Right. Now it's rare, but at least it's something you remember playing. When a game like that, I don't even know what it does. I don't remember what it's playing. That doesn't make a lot of value to me. The games that are valuable to me are the Omega Race and those things that I used to play that sure. I never find anymore. Right. So there you go. Well, I think we're caught up here, Tim, but a lot of good discussion on that topic. I still think it's an interesting topic. It is. And if you guys have any more discussion about that as we go on with the show, please let us know. 
Now, Tim, there's another controversy that went on, and it's right. surrounding this Capcom home arcade stick. Have you heard about this thing? Yes. So um, Capcom is releasing a plug-and-play arcade stick that contains 16 classic games. Is that the picture of it? That's that what is it the looks picture. Like. It looks like the Capcom different. logo, and it's got the it's got the got six buttons, and it's got two Samuel joysticks on the okay. other side. Um, it's going to come with Street Fighter 2, of course, Darkstalkers, uh, Strider, Aliens vs. Predator is a big one, and Super Puzzle Fighter Turbo, among others. It features Sanwa parts and Wi-Fi for leaderboards, for okay. high-score leaderboards, which is really cool. It's expected to be released in October and costs around $250. But, Tim, people... What's the controversy? The controversy the is price? that it uses emulation, okay? No. But... The emulator is a is a free emulator, but the manufacturer of this went to the emulator maker and said, "Hey, we want to license it for use in our product." And the emulator lead guy said, "Yes." But the problem was is there's a lot of people who have contributed to this project over time right. that didn't realize that their code was ever going to be used in a commercial environment. Gotcha. And they're mad because they had been contributing to this free of charge their own time, and the only one who's getting paid basically is the lead guy. None of the rest of them are getting paid, right? Okay. And not only that, but the license was specifically stated it was only supposed to be, you know, basically free. You know, right. a free use license. So there's a lot of controversy. A lot of developers who contributed code to this are very unhappy that now their product is going to be in a commercial product. Okay. But really, the reason why Capcom had to do this, Tim, is because have you seen all the Pandora's box joysticks? Yes. This is, in my opinion, this is Capcom trying to fight those. Right. Okay, because there's been a lot of those Pandora's box joysticks, Tim, where it, you know, it has a Pandora's box in it and it's two joysticks hooked up to your TV. This is what this thing is basically the legal version of. Okay, and so this is Capcom saying, guess what? We offer a product like that, that now, so we're going to shut down any sellers that are selling the bootleg. And is it me or does the price seem really expensive? For, 250 I mean... For 16 games. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's what the Pandora's Box ones go for, but of course the Pandora's Box ones play like 400 games. Right. So, I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily overpriced for something legal. Because okay. it's the same price, less games, same price, but Yeah, but the legal. Nintendo one is $90. Now, this thing has Wi-Fi in it. Okay. And upload your high scores to like a high score leaderboard. That's kind of cool. And it may end up having like Wi-Fi multiplayer network co-op. Now that would be fun. So I mean, there that may be some other things coming. Right? There may be some other things coming with it. We don't know all the details about it. We know it has high score leaderboards for sure over that, which right. is something that you don't see. So there's some benefits there. It is. I do think you like you. It's a little pricey for what it is. But Tim, as we know, retro gaming is an all time high right now, and True. so people are willing to pay for some of these things to so. the because of it. So. There you go. But so there has been some controversy around it, but I think it's interesting and I think it's going to be an interesting product. If any of you guys end up buying it, let us know. Uh, it gives you a review on it. I want to know. I'm curious yes. to see. So. Okay, Tim. So last month we talked about a pinball machine release. Yes. I believe that was Black Knight by Stern. We right. even debated it. Right. <laughs> but um, this month we have another new pinball machine release, and it's from Jersey Jack, and it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Tim. And you can see the PR release from Jersey Jack uh, at that link there, Tim. It's designed by Pat Lawler, just like um, Dialed In was. And, uh, of course, we talked about Found House earlier, um, Monopoly, Twilight Zone, so many uh, uh, Adam's Family, so many great, um, you know, different Pat Lawler games. So, um, you know, it's just amazing to see another one here. And Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory really seems like it's a game that's right up Jersey Jack's alley. It does. Family, especially right. with uh, Wizard of Oz and some of the other ones. So, But um, it features uh, four flippers, six balls, a captive ball, seven magnets, an everlasting gobstopper, the most secret machine, Oompa Loompa camera sculpture, seven-inch Wonka Vision LCD, a 27-inch HD LCD screen, and a candy-colored LED light show. And that's in just the standard model. 
Wow. So, um, and every model has those things. So the price starts at seventy five hundred for the standard edition, Tim. Which that's the picture of the cabinet. The only complaint that I have, Tim, is that the standard edition cabinet looks and artwork looks really plain. Okay. And when you bump up to the premium and the limited, it looks way different. Way better. And so it, it really makes me think that, like, the standard people got really shafted on just the artwork. Because it seems like artwork would be something that's just kind of trivial, right? Right. But maybe that's a good way to do it in order to keep the pricing, you know, in, in line with maybe everything. So. I have no idea. But um, I do love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, so I'm looking forward to actually playing this. Hopefully I get to play it. So you're a Willy Wonka fan. I'm a huge Willy too. Wonka fan. I love that I movie. like everybody except for the old grandpa guy. You know why? Why? Because the dude's family is about to starve and everything. He's all up in bed like can't move. Then you tell him he's going to the chocolate factory. Homeboy hops up out of bed and he's ready to go. Hey, think about this for a second, though. You need to hop on down the 7 Only six people got to go into that chocolate factory, <laughs> Tim. Okay? If you had an opportunity to be one of six people to go someplace, would you hop out of bed and do it? I'm uh, just saying. He should have hopped up and got a job at 7-Eleven and bought some groceries. I'm just saying. Because, you know, back then there were a lot of 7-Elevens <laughs> on every corner and everything, right? So, no, uh, I think it's a great theme. Uh, definitely fits the Jersey Jack kind of. I see, heard, we're starting another did, arcade debate. I didn't did, mean yeah. There you go. But, uh, no, it's funny uh, that I bet it's a fun game. And, and for those who played it, what were their opinions of it? Yeah, you know? I've seen a lot of video of it. But, you know, video to me doesn't mean much. Like, when I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, I understand. It's I get the rules. I see the shots and everything. It, I mean, the play field looks great. I had a picture of part of the play field there on the on the slide. Uh-huh. I mean, all the artwork looks fantastic. The music sounds good. I mean, everything about it looks good. But, Tim, I'm, I'm to a point now where I really have to play it before I'm going to give, like, an actual opinion. And the, and the real original Willy Wonka, too, not Johnny Depp or yes. nothing like that. Thank Thankfully, thank yes, you. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah exactly. You. So We're both go. very grateful for that. So there What's we go. What's going on in the chat? Uh, Joshua says, I'll be honest, when I heard about this one, I was very bummed. Then I watched the interview video with Pat Lawler, and gracious, that game looks fun. And it does look fun. And that's why I'm going to say. The artwork looks great. It looks like a fun game. But I'm going to reserve all judgments until I play it. So we're going to wait. Hopefully, we'll get to play it at some point, Tim. Yeah. Um, if fun. it's, I mean, I tell you, if it's really, really good, though, I mean, I may... I may pull a trigger. I was to say that the price point for super kid friendly, yeah. super kid friendly. It fits you know. your genre, of exactly. Kind of game room stuff, yeah, exactly. So, um, I I could see myself definitely pulling the trigger on something like that if if I like the way it plays. So yeah. I'm going to reserve judgment though until we get to play it. Hopefully, we'll get to play it at some point soon. So. And Tim, uh, you know, every month we always ask people to submit like short videos that we can play here on the yes. live show so that we can promote their channels. For sure. And Tim, uh, Delusionals Arcade has joined us for several live shows. And finally, he emailed in and said, hey, why don't you feature one of my videos? Thank so you. that's what we're going to do today. We're going to feature one of Delusional Arcade's videos. And so, Tim, it's an arcade quickie washing his Outrun arcade monitor, and it still works. And Tim, he does exactly what we talk about. He washes it with some simple green and okay. a garden hose. Awesome. Okay, and he does it in this video. I think the video is only about a minute. And Tim, I put it in the monitor and screen section. I call it intermediate because a beginner may not want to wash their monitor with, <laughs> right. with simple green and a garden hose. But um, we'll, we'll play it here in just a second. But um, guys... If you like the stuff on our channel, we highly encourage you to visit other arcade channels, including Delusionals Arcade. And Tim, there's a YouTube link right there on the screen. And there's also one down in the show notes. So make sure that, guys, if you're here and you're liking what you uh, see with our content, that you will go to Delusionals channel, subscribe, and watch his content as well. Tim, he's got some very in-depth videos, including like a, a very long video on tube swapping. So if oh, you guys are interested awesome. in that. Um, so they've got some great information there. But Tim, we're going to go ahead and play this video of Delusionals real quick, and then we'll come right back. It's only a minute long. Back up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to flush 
Okay. All right. Well, I hope we're sound muted. I did mute it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is cool. If you did mute it, it's gonna have a funny outtake. Yeah, barely. We see his logo come up. That's the end. And okay. the end. Right it's not quite the end. That's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, we had the mic on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So okay, <laughs> had the mic on. Uh oh. <laughs> there we go. So um, but anyway. Uh, let's see. Yeah, water hose, not a power washer. Yeah, that's one of the things he said. Sorry, guys, for the audio. So, there you go. I had to go to the restroom. But, um, anyway, we'll go ahead. <laughs> that's the sound of the garden hose. There you go. Okay. So, <laughs> but anyway, so, um, we got He's some... He's really fast. I am really... Oh, he is no, really he is fast. fast. Oh, no. come on. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, we do want to encourage you guys to subscribe to, to, um, to um, Delusional's Arcade. Great information over there. And guys, we have a link down below that you guys can yeah. go to to subscribe. We love all the arcade channels, and I'm sorry that I had to talk over it. Okay, I had to be quick with that. So Thank you, Dale. That was a really good video, though. I really, I mean, it's the way we do it. Right. It's exactly the way we do it. Sorry, so. you guys heard me peeing in the background. Had to <laughs> so that's what it is, you know, how, how it goes. So, yeah, we were we are live on the audio. We knew that, so sorry. <laughs> so I thought I muted it. That's my fault. So it is what it is. But um, delusional, no. I mean, great stuff there um, in that video and everything. So hopefully you guys heard all of that. And, and yeah, it's a short video. And check out that video on his page as well. And like I said, he's got a lot of More great content videos on there. there. Uh-huh. Absolutely. It's including a very good one on tube swapping that you should check out if you have nice. any. So there we go. Okay, so again, if you guys have any YouTube videos, so Tim, obviously... Uh, right. this, this month we featured Delusional's Arcade, but next month it could be your YouTube channel. Um, please send them to us if you guys want some free advertising. If it's arcade-related, that's what we're looking for, guys. We always want to promote arcade-related channel uh, channels on our YouTube channel. So uh, submit your short videos, 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. You can send a link to them at questions at arcadeorpairtips.com, and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Um, let's see. Make sure you put a plug in for your channel so that people will know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. So there you go. Oh, and <laughs> YouTube Punk Arcade Repair Tips History was made tonight. There you go. I'm sorry, Delusional, that I had to go to the restroom <laughs> during your video. Uh, that was my bad. But you know, it's always fun to do that kind of stuff. You Good thing like, we didn't do all the um, all of the uh, Avengers spoilers. I was right say you you're, you sounded like me after the Avengers. You had to go. I, had I was to go. like, I'm out. I gotta exactly. go. I had to go. So there you go. But uh, it is what it is, guys. We do that all the time. So yeah. I mean, you know how it is. And so. we must. We should say right now, in case we lose power that it is thundering and lightning outside and if you haven't heard anything about we might talk about storms in the after okay. show texas it is thundering and lightning so if we lose power you'll know why there you go so uh, there we go guys so tim i think we're about at the end of the show right now okay. so we'll go ahead and move forward here um with our contact information so guys if you have any um if you have any questions for us please send them to our email address at questions at arcaderepairtips.com questions at arcaderepairtips.com put live show in the subject to get it mentioned on the show and then uh, we also have our youtube page you guys are on it now but of course uh, it's at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode and tim we do have some of those in the um the the uh the 
questions that we covered tonight. One of those yes. came from the comments section of the previous show. Just to let you guys know, we do cover those. So if you guys have something for us, make sure you leave a comment on this one. We'll cover it on the next episode. And then, Tim, we have our podcast email, podcast at arcaderepairtips.com, and that goes to our friends Eric and Rusty, who are still promising me that they're going to do a show at some point. Now, Tim, we have started to put this show on the podcast feed, just the right. main show part. So um, if you guys are listening to this on the on the podcast feed, thanks for doing that. Of course, we don't feature the after show here, but you can hear the main podcast here. But hopefully, eventually, Eric and Rusty will get out another episode, so that'll that'll be um, coming out on our iTunes page at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com and on our Stitcher radio page at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com as well. And then we have our social media pages, guys, at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. We want to thank Louie and Mark for all of the wonderful things that they post there. Mark did an absolutely fantastic job with all the Willy Wonka stuff that he posted um, when that was released. And we also want to thank Louie for posting the Ars Tenica article about Arca R that we talked about. Right. So uh, we want to thank uh, both them for all their efforts. Great information there. And we always love it when you guys interact with us on social media. Tim, it's time to move into the after show. So what are some of the things we're going to cover in the after show? I'm going to help you out. Outline. There you go. All right. Well, one thing I'm going to bring up, we may have an apprentice. Oh, an apprentice. That's a new, something new. Is that a new show? That No, we have a... Is that got the Donald Trump thing, right? We, we have a young man that has started following us locally in town, and I'll, I'll get to that in the after show. Sounds good. Now, we also talked about... We're going to uh, talk well, about our investment. Right, and you were also going to give an update on some of the changes that we talked about in the previous after show right. about, like, you were talking about all you can play and how we could work that kind of stuff in. We had a lot of comments that we wanted to cover uh, from that. That. We're also going to be talking about some Stanley Cup playoffs, Matt. So, <laughs> right. so um, we are going to be talking about that. Cord cutting update, as always. TV shows and movies. I don't know if we'll do Avengers in-game spoilers, no, but we may give some context clues. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> context clues, no spoilers. So, um, but if you guys want to stay tuned for that, please do. If you're listening to this on audio podcast, make sure you check us out on YouTube, and you can watch the after show there. Tim, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up here for no. the main live show part? Thank you, everybody, for being in the chat room tonight and for our interactive chat. Thank you who watched this later, who couldn't be with us live uh, we do appreciate all you guys. Thank you for continuing to send questions and come up with new ideas and things and even teaching us some things. So Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you guys for watching. And remember here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you, you play, play the, the game. game. Thanks for joining us. Please stay tuned for the live show. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, check out YouTube and you can see it there. Everybody have a good night. We'll see you in just a minute for the after show. Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.